Hey there, it's Wednesday, December 7th, 2022, and we've got a week's worth of cannabis news to get caught up on. So get ready, because this is the M News Now. A bill which cleared the U.S. House in July and the Senate in November has now been officially signed by President Joe Biden. This is a historic moment for cannabis, as it's the very first piece of standalone federal cannabis reform legislation in U.S. history. This new law will give the U.S. Attorney General the power to approve cannabis research applications. And it also creates an easier path for researchers who request larger quantities of cannabis for their studies. It will also further encourage the Food and Drug Administration to develop cannabis-derived medicines. Part of doing that is allowing accredited medical entities with Schedule I registration to grow their own cannabis for research purposes. The Drug Enforcement Administration is also now mandated to approve applications for cannabis-derived drugs. One other part of the new legislation requires that the Department of Health and Human Services review policies and provide recommendations for dealing with the barriers into cannabis research in legal states. Lastly, the newly signed law says that state licensed physicians are allowed to discuss the risks and benefits of cannabis and its derived products with their patients, and it will not be a violation of the Controlled Substances Act for them to do so. The four co-chairs of the Congressional Cannabis Caucus, who are Representatives Earl Blumenauer of Oregon, Barbara Lee of California, Dave Joyce of Ohio, and Brian Mast of Florida, have all released a joint statement following the president's signing of this bill. They wrote, For decades, the federal government has stood in the way of science and progress, peddling a misguided and discriminatory approach to cannabis. Today marks a monumental step in remedying our federal cannabis laws and will make it easier to study the impacts and potential of cannabis. The group also added, Our caucus will continue working to reimagine the federal government's approach to cannabis and enact further reforms. They said that in the coming weeks, they're committed to seeing other cannabis measures passed such as the Safe Banking Act, the Veterans Equal Access Act, the Prepare Act, and the Veterans Medical Marijuana Safe Harbor Act. Marijuana Moment obtained a draft of a federal agency's proposed new job applications, which are far more lenient towards cannabis use than past federal job applications have been. The Office of Personnel Management announced the changes in a federal register notice. The new proposal is now open for public comments, and it will stay open for a two-month period. The reason for the proposed job application change is to widen the applicant pool, due in part to what they call changing societal norms. The draft's called the Personal Vetting Questionnaire, and it would replace current forms for positions of varying levels of sensitivity and security. The current existing forms require applicants to disclose use of illicit drugs by simply checking them off on a list, without any context or explanation. Questions are for any cannabis use in the past one to seven years, depending on security levels of the job that they're applying for. But the new form now focuses its questions on consumption that's only occurred within the past 90 days. Use prior to 90 days is also asked about, but the separate focus seems to signal that those who consumed cannabis more than 90 days ago would be treated differently than the more recent consumers. Additionally, the new form gives applicants opportunities to explain the nature of their usage, rather than simply checking a box showing use. This could indicate employer discretion regarding the nature of their usage. The new form also states that the use of cannabis products containing less than 0.3% THC means that it meets the federal definition of legal hemp, and it does not need to be disclosed. That would include CBD products. There are some exceptions to this new form change. Jobs that would require more extensive questions would include those positions in criminal justice, public safety, or national security positions. 
This new job form's proposed changes are a huge step, as prior to this, federal agencies have notoriously cautioned employees to avoid all cannabis and cannabis-derived products, including CBD, because of the risks of potentially triggering a positive drug test. The Office of Personnel Management's initial notice on the new draft form said, Current use of marijuana by federal employees is prohibited, while past use of marijuana by applicants is evaluated on a case-by-case basis when agencies make trust determinations. These new form changes were necessary, given the legal landscape of states with legal forms of cannabis, and added that the new forms may improve the pool of applicants for federal employee and federal contractor positions. Legal news site J.D. Supra has reported on a strange case of MedMen using the illegal federal status of cannabis as a defense for not paying rent. The case is extremely important for the cannabis industry to watch, as it could have a serious effect on other cannabis businesses. The suit's being brought by Thor Equities, who are a New York-based private equity firm specializing in real estate development, leasing, and management. Thor Equities is suing the vertically integrated and multi-state operating cannabis company, MedMen. MedMen's California-based, and they went public with the Canadian Securities Exchange in 2018, and they grew rapidly in their early years. But their debts also grew. MedMen's face many layoffs, sellings of assets, canceled acquisitions, and refinancing of debt. After years of struggling financially, they've sought to restructure the company over this past summer of 2022. Thor Equity's case against MedMen is based on the 15-year rental lease for a Chicago property that MedMen signed with them. Both parties agree that in August of 2021, MedMen stopped paying their rent. Thor Equities is suing MedMen for the unpaid rent totaling just under $1 million. Specifically, it's $950,960.02. MedMen does not dispute the amount of unpaid rent. However, MedMen's argument says, It is unlawful under federal law to lease any place for the purpose of distributing any controlled substance, including marijuana, as the plaintiff did here. So, MedMen's saying that because cannabis is illegal under federal law, the lease they signed with Thor Equities is legally unenforceable, and therefore they cannot be forced to pay back the rent. For their part, Thor Equities says that the lease MedMen signed does have a specific clause that prohibits MedMen from using the federal illegal status of its business as a valid defense to any claim arising from the lease, such as this one. This lawsuit is one that everyone in the cannabis industry should be paying close attention to. Not only is this type of non-payment extremely bad publicity and paints a very negative view of cannabis companies, but also, if MedMen successful in avoiding payment of all or part of that nearly $1 million owed in rent, this could significantly affect the willingness of commercial real estate landlords to rent cannabis companies in the future, making cannabis companies' lives even harder. About a month ago, a Nevada state court ruled that it's unconstitutional to keep cannabis listed as a Schedule I drug and ordered the Nevada State Pharmacy Board to remove it from the state's Schedule I classification list. Now, the Nevada Board of Pharmacy is seeking to appeal that ruling. The original lawsuit had been filed by the American Civil Liberties Union of Nevada on behalf of a man named Antoine Poole, who was found guilty of a Class E felony for cannabis possession a year after cannabis was legalized in the state. Also included in the plaintiffs were the Cannabis Equity and Inclusion Community, who are a group that, among other things, work to help people get prior cannabis convictions cleared. 
The lawsuit said that because Nevada State Board of Pharmacy have kept cannabis on their list of Schedule I drugs, that this has caused a loophole where people are still being prosecuted for felonies like possession of cannabis with intent to sell, despite the fact that the state legalized cannabis possession and use. Co-plaintiff Antoine Poole's past conviction prevents him from doing basic things, such as getting the license he wanted to become a barber. Their lawsuit also said that it's unconstitutional for them to keep it as a Schedule I drug while also being state legal for having medicinal value in recreational use. And in his final ruling, District Judge Joe Hardy agreed with the plaintiff's arguments and subsequently ordered the Nevada State Board of Pharmacy to remove cannabis from their state list of Schedule I drugs. Judge Hardy said at his ruling, The constitutional right to use marijuana upon the advice of a physician does establish that marijuana has an accepted medical use and treatment in the United States. If this ruling holds and the State Board of Pharmacy does reschedule cannabis in their state, this could be a significant step towards pushing the federal government to also deschedulize cannabis on the federal level, or at least attempt to do so through the U.S. Supreme Court in a similar manner to this lawsuit in Nevada. Regarding the state pharmacy's latest appeal of this decision, ACLU Nevada's legal director, Chris Peterson, said in a press release, The district court's ruling was thoughtful and strong, and we have no intention of backing down until we've fixed this inconsistency to prevent further injustice. New Jersey's adult-use cannabis sales began in April, and the state reported that there were $80 million in cannabis sales during just the first 10 weeks. But despite the popularity, advocates have emphasized the need for also opening up legal consumption sites for the public. Marijuana Moments Kyle Yeager reported that on Friday, the New Jersey Cannabis Regulatory Commission moved closer to doing just that by approving requirements and fee structures for cannabis consumption sites in the state. Some of the new regulations for consumption sites would be that food items could not be sold on site, but people would be able to bring their own food or have it delivered. Additionally, alcohol and tobacco could not be sold or consumed at the cannabis consumption sites. These new regulations are not finalized just yet. First, they'll need to be posted in the New Jersey Register, and then they'll be subject to a 60-day public comment period. After going through all of that, then they can be finalized and the licenses can be issued. New Jersey will be joining other states who are also in different phases of allowing consumption lounges. Just a few days before New Jersey's announcement, Nevada cannabis regulators announced the winners of their state's first cannabis lounge licensees. New York's not quite opened up their legal recreational sales yet, but they did create provisions for eventually adding in consumption sites. Colorado approved their legalized cannabis tasting rooms and marijuana hospitality establishments in 2019. And just before that, also in 2019, Alaska had become the very first state to enact regulations for on-site use options for dispensaries. Employees in the state of Nevada who were fired for off-the-clock medical cannabis use can now sue their former employers. Benjamin Adams of Dope Magazine reported that on December 1st, the Nevada Supreme Court gave their final ruling on a three-year-old case where an employee was terminated for consuming cannabis off-the-clock. Jim Rochekalb, who filed the original lawsuit back in 2019, told Fox affiliate KTNV that he suffers from post-traumatic stress disorder and numerous other conditions, and he uses cannabis to ease those symptoms. Unfortunately, despite his legal medical cannabis patient status, his former employer, Freeman Expositions LLC, fired him after testing positive for THC in 2018. Rochekalb's attorney, Christian Gabroy, said, 
the company acted discriminatory, this company violated his rights, and they terminated him in violation of Nevada law. While this new ruling does apply to medical cannabis patients, it does not apply for recreational adult use. New York State legalized cannabis for recreational adult use in 2021, but has still not been able to finalize regulations and licensing for sales to actually begin. During this waiting period, the illicit market has flourished. Earlier this year, New York's Office of Cannabis Management sent out a dozen cease and desist letters to illicit operations across the state, but many of them still remain. New York City in particular still has many illicit stores selling THC cannabis products. And in August, New York's Medical Cannabis Industry Association commissioned a report on the subject. The study used online resources like Facebook and Google Maps to search for stores, and they found about 30 of them. They ended up visiting 20 different illicit retail locations and purchased two THC products from each store. They then had these tested at an independent lab, and what they found was that just about 40% of the illicit purchases contained E. coli, lead, and salmonella. Each of these could cause very serious health complications, including things like kidney failure, severe fever or infection throughout the body, and even potential kidney or brain damage. The state report says, These unregulated, illicit operations exacerbate an already alarming public health trend, especially among teens and young adults who are either unaware of or choose to ignore the health risks. Pennsylvania Democratic Governor Tom Wolf launched a statewide pardon for citizens to have minor cannabis possession convictions cleared from their records. But as PennLive first reported on Thursday, something's gone very wrong, as officials are only considering 231 out of more than 3,500 clemency applicants. The state board reviewing these partnered with state agencies to carry out the review, and they came up with that small number of just 231 approved applicants. 2,002 of the applicants who were denied were said to have not met the requirements. Another 434 are on hold and might be reconsidered at a future meeting. There was no clear information given on why so many applicants were rejected, but the Board of Pardons Secretary, Celeste Trusty, had previously told Marijuana Moment that the board identified quite a few folks who entered incorrect data on their applications. Pennsylvania's Lieutenant Governor, Democrat John Fetterman, is a big cannabis legalization advocate and he also serves on the state's Board of Pardons. His term as lieutenant governor is ending, but he has previously stated that he wants to process cannabis clemency for as many people as possible before he leaves office. Fetterman was elected to the U.S. Senate last month, and he told Marijuana Moment back in October that while pardons are meaningful and they would benefit people, he said, The only lasting relief will come when our Republican legislator finally decides to do the right thing and legalize it. A woman is suing the caterer who allegedly served cannabis-laced food at a Florida wedding earlier this year. The wedding took place February 19th in the city of Longwood, Florida, which is just a few miles north of Orlando. According to a report from the Miami Herald, the plaintiff in this suit says that at the wedding reception in question, she unknowingly ate food laced with what she calls a poisonous amount of cannabis and became immediately ill from it. The plaintiff was not the only one who fell ill at the wedding reception after eating the catered food. Several others also reported problems. Some guests had said that they began to feel weird and started to feel as if they'd been drugged. One guest told a local news station, I thought I was having a heart attack. My heart was racing. Other guests complained of stomach pains and even vomited. Because of these alarming and unexplained symptoms, first responders were called and a number of guests were taken to a local hospital for evaluation. 
Deputies collected samples of the food from the event, such as chocolate-covered strawberries, pudding shots, cookies, brownies, lasagna, and even the bread. CNN cited court affidavits, which said that some of the guests did test positive for THC, as well as some of the food testing positive. Police questioned the bride and groom, who denied accountability and said that they didn't ask for anything to be laced. However, in an affidavit, one guest said that after they asked the bride if the food was spiked, the bride responded yes and acted excited. Another report said that the bride giggled and shook her head yes. Yet another affidavit said that the deputy asked the bride and groom if they'd requested or consented to food being infused with cannabis, and the groom allegedly, quote, stared at the deputy with a blank expression for a few moments before stuttering through a no. After a deeper investigation and many more interviews, the Seminole County Sheriff's Office reported that the 42-year-old bride and the 31-year-old caterer were arrested and charged with violating the Florida Anti-Tampering Act, delivery of marijuana, and culpable negligence. CNN reported that affidavits filed in the case alleged that the bride, quote, agreed to and allowed the caterer to lace the food she served. In the end, the plaintiff, who happens to have the same last name as the bride and groom, filed her lawsuit against the caterer, accusing her of negligence and saying she allegedly, quote, knew or should have known that allowing the food served to be laced with marijuana was reasonably likely to cause injuries and damages to wedding guests. The lawsuit seeking more than $30,000 in damages and the case is ongoing with the next court date set for next month. The Cannabis Council of Canada has called on the federal government there to provide immediate financial relief for the legal cannabis industry in Canada and the end of stigmatization of legal cannabis that allegedly limits progress on the key public health aims of legalization. In response to a review of Canada's Cannabis Act, the Cannabis Council urged federal and provincial governments to address the unpredictably aggressive excise tax and provincial distributor markups and implement a moratorium on regulatory fees imposed by Health Canada. The council's CEO and president, George Smitherman, said that the current cannabis legislation in their country has inadvertently contributed to re-stigmatization, along with often doing the opposite of its plan to eliminate the illicit market. The council says that the current regulatory framework has been a financial success for local and federal governments, as well as the provincial distributor monopolies who apply huge markups. But they also point out that this is equated to a financial bloodbath for producers and processors. The extensive regulations and extremely high taxes contributed to licensed cannabis businesses facing crisis-level competition from the unbridled illicit market, which doesn't face the same rules and taxes. So, the Cannabis Council of Canada has recommended 37 measures designed to help with these issues. Some of those regulations would include things such as revising cannabis taxation, markups, and fees. They also suggest increasing consumer-focused information about cannabis products, enforcing laws regarding the ban of illicit cannabis businesses utilizing the internet, allowing cannabis companies to build brands to help attract customers away from the illicit market, increasing the current limit of 10 milligrams of THC for cannabis edibles, and many more. The Canadian Cannabis Council's CEO and President George Smitherman said, It is incumbent upon the government of Canada to acknowledge the financial crisis facing Health Canada licensed producers and processors, and to make immediate changes that will create a sustainable environment for Canada's legal cannabis industry. We cannot wait for the outcome of the legislative review process for action from the governments. That's all you need to know for today. Be sure to keep listening for the latest updates and follow us on themnewsnow.com. Later.